Hello! Welcome to the Holistic House Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, healthcare practitioner, occupational therapist, and holistic wellness advocate. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence-based, and effective solutions for a thriving and healthy life. Explore the world of nutritional medicine, essential oil therapy, and clean, toxin-free living. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Hello, sweet friends. This is Stephanie Center, and you're listening to the Holistic House Podcast. What a wonderful day it is today. Today I'm recording. It is September 20th, 2020. It is finally chilly outside. I have been enjoying some nature walks with a sweater in tow, which I love it when it's that time of year where you need just a little extra layer of warmth when you're when you're outside walking in and about. Today is a special episode in that I am going to share my story with you. I want the feel and the vibe of this episode really just to be like two close friends having a conversation, and I'll do my best to anticipate the kinds of questions you would ask me if we were really having a conversation, but this episode is different in that um, I'm not really going off of a script. Usually I have in front of me like a a long list of bullet points that I know I want to cover during the episode, and then I kind of, I don't have like a word-for-word thing written out of course, but I I have more of an outline than I do today because I really want today to be authentic. And the reason I'm sharing my story with you today is I'm about to branch out and be a part of uh, other people's podcasts. And I really think it's only fair that I share my story with you all first. And it is, it's a, a vulnerable place to be. I've been pretty private about my personal story thus far. I think I've shared a little bit about thyroid testing, my experience with that in a previous episode. I think that episode is called like what you need to know about your thyroid or something along those lines, because I think that my thyroid testing story really contributed to my overall knowledge of the thyroid and kind of the advice that I give to those who are experiencing or think they might be experiencing thyroid issues. I also want to say that before I kind of go into my story, that it is just that. It's a story. I do not claim to be an expert in anything. I'm not trying to play doctor here. I am simply just somebody who is experiencing life and experiencing health, and I'm on a journey to wellness. And I'm kind of, I'm taking ownership in that. And I and researching and learning and evolving. And that is a a never ending process. So I might say something here today that I don't agree with later on down the road. Um, And so just kind of keep that in mind that this is this really is just a conversation between two good friends. And uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I want to roll. I think that storytelling is really powerful and it it can really enlighten and inspire and that's why 
I think that I think one of the mistakes that I made in the beginning, or I won't call it a mistake, something I've learned from since creating this podcast is that I was so focused early on in the research and and the evidence. And while I think that 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 is really important, and we we need to keep reading research and evidence, I think I discounted the power of anecdotal storytelling, just anecdotal evidence. And I think that that is equally as important as any research that's been published. I think that the pro and con of research is, yes, it's empirical data. It's more objective than subjective. At the same time, there can be some hidden agendas behind research. You have to be really careful about whose research you're reading, who's funding the research, and it can become a little political, uh, a little bureaucratic, whereas anecdotal evidence is is not. It's a story. It's somebody's experience, and I think that that's really empowering. And my whole purpose, my, my why, why I'm here is to empower you, to empower you to be curious, empower you to ask questions, and empower you to advocate for your own health. So, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> uh, before I dive into my actual story, I do want to mention that my product of the month uh, is Metagenics Glycogenics. It is a high-potency B vitamin complex, and it supports healthy energy metabolism and healthy stress response. And what I'm doing is I'm giving away a bottle of this to uh, someone who rates and reviews my podcast this month, just as a thank you for listening and a thank you for taking the time to rate and review me. That's really kind of the only way I can get my stuff out there. Um, I'm, I don't have a marketing background and that's not something I'm good at. It's not really something that I want to spend a lot of time and effort on. I'd rather put my energy towards learning more to help you all out. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's kind of the the way I get information out there is through ratings and reviews. So if you could be as, as kind to leave me one, I would appreciate that. And if you send me a, a screenshot of your rating and review, I'll put you in the drawing to win a bottle of glycogenics at the end of the month. Uh, I'll be selecting a winner on September 30th. If you're not wanting to wait until then, or you are wanting to get your, your hands on a bottle now, you can go to Metagenics and I'll put the link, the link in the show notes to my Metagenic site. You can use the, the code Holistic House at checkout for 10% off a bottle of glycogenics. Yeah, and you can send me screenshots of your rating and reviews via my website, theholistichouse.org. You can shoot me an email straight from there. You can find me on Instagram at Holistic Stephanie Marie. That's kind of where I hang out the most. Um, just because I'm not really good at Facebook. <laughs> and uh, But I do have a Facebook page, and that's the Holistic House FB page. So yeah, you can find me there. Some fun things that I have coming up on Wednesday, September 30th at 7 p.m. I'm doing um, another Essential Oils 101 course. This is a free class where we can we just do a deep dive into what essential oils are, the health benefits of using them. I think for... If you're just getting your toes wet in the field of holistic health, I think that essential oils are really low barrier entry. They are, they're low cost and they're highly effective. There's lots of research to support their use in things from low tox household cleaning to bug repellents to different ailments, health and wellness. 
Um, and so I find that they are easy to use, pretty cost effective. A bottle like lemon oil, for example, is like 11 bucks and it lasts as long as you wanted to, as long as, I mean, it just depends on how much you use it, I guess. But um, yeah, I find that it's a, a really low barrier entry way to kind of get your foot in the door into holistic wellness. And I, I know a lot about oils. And so I feel like if you are going to get your toes wet and using them, learn from somebody who knows about them. So you're getting the best bang for your buck, right? And you're you're using them effectively. There are certainly therapeutic uses. And I think you you need to work with a practitioner to learn about what those are. So yeah, that class is on again, Wednesday, September 30th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I will put a link in the show notes if you're interested in joining. I also have a new free class that I'm doing called The Low Tox Life. And this is a course on learning about environmental toxins and the role that they play in our health and wellness. And we kind of go over what they are, how, how toxins operate in the body, why we have an increased exposure to toxins, and just so, some ways that you can, simple and effective ways that you can use to decrease your toxic load. Um, and this all stems from my my research in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That's something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, the largest organ inside your body is your liver. And so we, it's really important. I think, I think that that tells us something about its importance and we need to take care of it. And liver health plays a lot of, plays a big role in how other organs function. And so if you're somebody who has abdominal weight gain or a sluggish digestion or congested skin, or you have a lot of rashes, a lot of times that's indicative of liver health. And um, there's not a really good way to test for your liver health. The gold standard is a liver biopsy, which is really invasive and costly and not ideal. So a lot of us have liver issues and we don't know it. And so I think it's really important to, I think environmental toxins and liver health go hand in hand because the liver is the organ in the body that detoxifies us. It purifies our blood. And so, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about toxins and liver health, I really encourage you to join my free class. It'll be on Monday, October 5th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And at that time, I will open enrollment into my 10-day liver detox program. And I, if you are at all interested in doing that program, I really recommend you go to this course first. Um, I am definitely a firm believer in there's, there's not a one-size-fits-all. And I, I do not recommend the 10-day liver detox for everybody. So I think that this is just a good way for us to meet and for us to learn if we're a good fit for each other in this program. And if anything, you, you can at least take some baseline knowledge about toxins home with you at the end of the day. So yeah, that's what I have going on. Okay. I guess it's story time. I've stalled enough, huh? <laughs> um, okay, so I guess to be to give you a backstory, I I've always been a very healthy person. I've always been 
average or maybe even underweight. I haven't had any real health issues in my life. I, I do. I did have migraine headaches from like age 19 to age 29. Had pretty, pretty frequent migraine headaches. But other than that, um, was always very healthy. Um, I did have some skin issues. I feel like that's really common given our diet and given, uh, yeah, basically our diet these days. Uh, so I had skin issues in my early 20s. Uh, but really, that's it. I've, I've been super healthy. And so when I came across this health issue, it really, it it took me, it really just took me by surprise. And also, I'm going to get like really raw here and I'm going to talk about things that are uncomfortable. So if, if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm really, really sorry. I just think it's important to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to talk about things like poop and things <laughs> like menstrual cycles and all of that, that really sexy stuff. So just um, prepare yourself. Okay, so in June of 2018, I was again feeling fine, feeling awesome. And I woke up one morning and I couldn't go to the bathroom. And that's odd because overshare, I am somebody who goes number two every single day, multiple times a day sometimes. And that's normal. If you're not pooping every day, stop listening to this podcast and go figure <laughs> figure that out. Or maybe keep listening to this podcast because you can learn some more information about poop. I don't know. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's kind of, that was my first symptom. I woke up one day and I couldn't poop. And I, I remember at this time, my husband and I, we were just about to go to San Francisco in Napa and Sonoma for a, a fun trip with some friends. And I was kind of joking with my girlfriends on this trip, like, you guys, it's been seven days since I've pooped. Like, what is going on? And I just kind of thought at the time, like, okay, I've been traveling. A lot of people get backed up when they're traveling. That's totally normal. And I just assumed that when I got back home, like, my body would say, ah, oh, you're home. Okay, let's go. Um, and that did not happen. I went actually 17 days without going to the bathroom, which if you've ever experienced maybe a few days of not going to the bathroom, you know that it's uncomfortable. At 17 days, you are ready to like rip your eyes out. And I called my PCP to my primary care physician. I, I call, call her PCP to, um, I called her to get an appointment and it was going to be like two weeks. And I thought, oh my God, no, I cannot wait. I like for real cannot wait. And just to kind of show you how uncomfortable I was, I went to the emergency room. And I had never been to the emergency room before. I think maybe once when I was like five or six, uh, I went to the emergency room because I cut, I cut myself, like I, I tripped and fell and um, cut my chin open. But like, really, that was the only time I'd ever, and I don't even remember that because again, I was like five or six years old. So really for me, this was the first time going to the emergency room. And what's kind of ironic is I, I'm a healthcare practitioner. I worked in the hospital whose emergency room I visited. So it was kind of an interesting experience just being on the other side of the curtain instead of being backstage, being on stage. And I was really disappointed in the care that I got. So when I when I went there, they 
they did what, like, I was convinced I had a small bowel obstruction, which is when you get something caught in your intestines and, and then stool can't really move around it. And that's something that a lot of times is, it's, it's an acute issue. It's something that requires surgery. And I was convinced that that was what was going to happen. I was going to need surgery. And I went to the emergency room. They did an x-ray and said, wow, you are really backed up, but we don't see an obstruction. So they got out a piece of paper and wrote me a prescription for an enema for me to then take that sheet of paper to the local drugstore to get this prescription. Really? <laughs> I just spent like, I don't know, I don't even remember how much that emergency room visit cost, like 250, 300 bucks, somewhere, somewhere around there for you to tell me, oh yeah, you are constipated here. Let, like, shoot, I could have gone to the convenience store and gotten an enema like I could have done that on my own and so I was really disappointed with that experience and that was kind of the first experience of many experiences that really demonstrated to me that allopathic medicine wasn't going to be effective for me but at this point I was so early on again 17 days into this problem and I just I didn't know what I didn't know and so I made an appointment with a gastroenterologist and I, although I didn't have too much insight into what was going on, I knew my general anatomy and I really felt that my issue was in my small intestines because I was feeling really full after a few sips of water. After about 45 minutes after eating, I would feel really bad. And so I thought, okay, maybe my stomach, maybe my small intestines. And this GI doctor, I, I just felt like he didn't listen to me. And again, what's really frustrating, besides being a woman and trying to explain your, your health issues, being a 29-year-old, like, healthy-looking person, it's really hard to be taken seriously, especially when, okay, I, I wasn't overweight, and my belly, while it looked really bloated to me, this doctor didn't know what my belly looked like before. And so this could have been a normal looking belly to him. I don't know. And I just kind of, you know, when you're talking and you can just tell somebody's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That was my experience. And he really recommended a colonoscopy. And I wasn't against the idea. I definitely, um, I went ahead and did it. And I'm glad I did it because... I do have a grandparent who passed away at a young age from colon cancer, and so I have that peace of mind now that I do not have colon cancer, so it's kind of like a check mark off, but my problem was nowhere near, I was nowhere near getting more, more ideas for how to, what my problem was or how to solve it, and he gave me a lot of different medications that didn't really work. Again, because they were medications that fleshed out the colon. And honestly, once food hit my colon, I had no problem eliminating it. It was getting it through my small intestines that wasn't working. And so to give you like a perspective on, on timeline here, June 2018 is when my problem happened. I didn't get an appointment with the GI until, I want to say it was like September 18th or 19th of 2019, or excuse me, 2018. And then my colon scope was, I think, September 28th of 2018. So we're talking about between June and September just being absolutely miserable. 
tolerating one to two meals a day, feeling super uncomfortable. At this point, I started to feel like I wasn't absorbing my nutrients from my food anymore. I just was really, really low in uh, energy. And by the time September rolled around, I was like, okay, I need some more help. I need, I need to talk to somebody else. So I went to my primary care physician and again, not knowing a whole lot. I did know that the thyroid is kind of the canary in the coal mine. If you have other things, if you, if your thyroid is off, then other things, you got other things going on. And so I really wanted some insight into my thyroid because I was, I was displaying at this point signs and symptoms of low thyroid. And she measured my TSH. And of course, my TSH was normal. I, I didn't know back then that I really needed a full thyroid panel. I just, when I said I needed my, my thyroid measure, measured, I thought she would know what that meant and would, would kind of be a little more com comprehensive than TSH. TSH is your thyroid stimulating hormone. It's produced in your pituitary gland. So I don't even really feel like it's a good indicator on how your thyroid itself is functioning. It's a really good indicator on how it's being stimulated to function. And your pituitary gland is like in the middle of your brain. So like politely, I feel like it's a, it's a CYA, it's a cover your ass move because if there's something wrong with your pituitary gland that is well protected in the like cavity of your brain, then, then like you, you've got bigger problems than your thyroid. And I, I explained to her kind of some of my other symptoms. My symptoms came on all, all really fast and strong kind of at the same time. At this point, I was, um, I, I couldn't even sleep on my side anymore because it felt like there was a brick in my stomach. Like there was a very specific spot in my abdomen that felt hard. And I, and I honestly, like part of me thought I had a tumor because it felt like a big ball, like a tennis ball there. And I couldn't lay on my side anymore when I slept and I'm a side sleeper. So I had to start sleeping on my back and that wasn't very comfortable for me. And at this point I started to like wake up in the middle of the night feeling panicked. And I, I don't, I don't really have a ton of experience with, um, with anxiety. It's not something that I ever experienced before having gut issues and looking back, I think that those, those were panic attacks. And I think that my body was trying to tell me, something is wrong. I need help. Something is wrong. And so I think, I think anxiety is really helpful in that way. Um, if, if it's, I think anxiety can be really helpful in that way. If you are, your body is going through something, I think anxiety is a good way for your body to communicate with your brain. Like something's off. You, you need to get tests. You need to figure out what's going on. Um, and around December of 2018, 20, uh, I, that's kind of when I realized that this GI doctor is, is not, is not going to help me. Uh, he wasn't very helpful. Uh, my PCP, when I talked to her about my symptoms, she, and I'll, uh, this is a quote from her. She goes, honey, sometimes people just need to be on Miralax for the rest of their lives. <gasps> oh man, that's tough. That is so tough. That is really hard to hear. Um, not only does Miralax contain like polyethylene glycol, which I'm super against consuming, I, how horrible is that when for 29 years I was somebody who was like normal going to the bathroom every day and now something acute has happened and I'm being told, honey, sometimes people just need to be on Miralax for the rest of their lives. 
is that really the healthcare that we're giving people? Is that really a solution? Or is that you're just going to have to manage your symptoms with this, this over-the-counter for the rest of your life? Sorry about you. Like, really? Really? Am I supposed to buy that? Um, I didn't. And it took me about, so December, so about six months of feeling like absolute crap <laughs> to wake up and say, okay, you know what? I'm in charge of my own damn health. And I just started researching things for myself. And I started looking into different tests that I wanted to do to learn more about myself, to learn what was going on. And at this point, I started looking into the GI map and the Dutch test. The GI map test is amazing and that it tells you like, it measures like 80 different things and it tells you what exactly is going on in the gut. And the Dutch test is, it stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. And your thyroid is a hormone. And, or your, excuse me, your thyroid produces hormones, your T4 and T3. And I just kind of, I, I knew I needed to start there because I needed to know what was living in my gut and I needed to know what my hormones were doing. And I started researching things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and candida overgrowth. And gosh, I, I went through so, down so many rabbit holes. Um, and that took me to... June of 2019. So for about six months, I was just reading and researching. I tried like all the different diets, right? Like autoimmune protocol diet. I tried the, um, oh, what's it called? The like selective carbohydrate diet. I tried the SIBO diet by Dr. Neurola Jacoby, which is a really hard diet to stick to because it's super limiting, uh, but the idea is that it, it, it kind of limits the life of the opportunistic bacteria so the good gut bacteria can grow. I tried all these diets, and, and I didn't really get anywhere. Uh, and in June of 2019, so about a year after my, the first onset of my symptoms, my hair started just falling out in clumps, like shedding. And uh, if you're a woman... Like, and you want something to scare you to your core, watch your hair fall out. I don't like, and hair is not anything that I ever thought I would have a problem with. I always had super, super thick hair. In fact, I was getting my hair thinned when I would go get it cut because it was too thick. And so this is a problem that I honestly never thought I would have. And my scalp started to feel like burning and it was, it felt awful. Like I knew something autoimmune was going on. Something was attacking my scalp. And so I went to, naturally, I went to a dermatologist and I was really, really bummed because she told me I didn't have a problem. She did like the hair pull test and she was one hair short for telling me I had a problem. And I wish that I would have like done better research to know that that's what she was going to do because I literally blow dried my hair right before I came to her appointment. So any like I, when you blow dry your hair with like a round brush, you're taking all the hairs, like the loose hairs out. And so if I had gone pre-shower, she would have pulled out a whole bunch more. Like I just I just don't see the validity of that test. I'm sorry. And I was really bummed because here I was telling my doctor I had a problem and being told, oh, no, you don't. Like, I just took a day off work to come see you. I just paid 
a, a hefty copay and you're not even like you just yanked on my hair. You just made me even more self-conscious by pulling more hair out of my head. And she did no testing, no hair mineral tests, no blood tests, nothing. And it was like that's kind of when I had my like aha moment that allopathic medicine was not serving me. It was not helping me. And I started looking into what kind of doctor do I want to see? And that's when I found, um, I'd always, I'd always been kind of a fan of Dr. Mark Hyman. And that's when I found the Institute of Functional Medicine. And I really wanted to find a practitioner that was under, under that kind of, uh, that had that sort of knowledge and certification. So I found, I found a holistic nurse practitioner in the meantime, before I could find an IFM certified MD. And I, I specifically chose this nurse practitioner because she could help me. She offered the GI map and the Dutch test, and that's really why I, I went to her. And the GI map test was really helpful because it showed me that I did have candida overgrowth, and that's really hard to get rid of. So candida is a, a fancy way of saying yeast, and it's really common to have yeast or candida overgrowth in women who are on hormonal birth control. And I was on hormonal birth control. And so I made the decision to, I, I changed my diet to support getting off of birth control. So I made, I didn't just get off of birth control, like cold turkey, you really have to kind of plan for that. And I started seed cycling, which is where you take a tablespoon of pumpkin and flax seeds on days one through 14 of the cycle. And then 15 through 28, you do sesame and sunflower seeds. And those kind of just help your body. It just helps support your body in producing the hormones that are dominant during those phases of your cycle. And I was able to, I got rid of the hormonal birth control in August of 2019. And just a side note, this is really funny. So when I got off of it, the, the nurse practitioner that um, I was seeing not this holistic one, the OB nurse practitioner. She, she said, okay, honey, like you're going to get your period in like four to five days after we take this IUD out. And that didn't happen for me. But I did get my period on the new moon, which was like 12 days later. And ever since then, so that was over a year ago, over a year ago, I've been in cycle with the new moon, which is really fascinating to me. It's not something that I had studied before, just women's cycles and the moon cycles, but it's just a really interesting um, topic. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about that sometime. But I really, I believe in it because I experience it. So anyway, sorry, that was a side note. Back to the GI map. Um, the GI map showed candida overgrowth. The, can, uh, the GI map also shows like what opportunistic bacteria are living in your gut. And I had uh, very high amounts of pseudomonas, which is really inflammatory and causes a lot of issues. It's, it's a gnarly opportunistic bacteria. I used to work with a lot of patients that had pseudomonas in the hospital. It can be really, really um, hard on the health. It showed, for me, it showed that my secretory IgA was low, so that meant that my immune system was suppressed. My zonulin was 202, which is crazy high, 
And that's indicative of intestinal permeability or also known as leaky gut. And zonulin, just to give you an idea, that's the protein that modulates the permeability of the tight junctions between the cell walls of the digestive tract. So if you if your junctions are not tight, then you are likely to have leaky gut, meaning what is inside your intestines can leak outside your intestines via those loose junctions. And really, you'll find elevated levels of zonulin in people with celiac disease, uh, people with metabolic syndrome or obesity. And so that kind of, that that just solidified to me, okay, your gut is is under attack. You need to clean up your gut. Um, the Dutch test was really great too. I did that because I wanted more information about my hair and it, it was kind of a relief moment for me because my hair was, my hair loss was obviously not hormonal. I don't, my DHT was low. It wasn't high. Um, my DHEA was a little low, but my cortisol was beautiful. My melatonin was beautiful. Uh, I, the way I metabolize estrogen is like the most ideal. So I was really, I was really kind of relieved when I could see those results and um, learn, learn more about myself from them. I found, I did some research and I found a more holistic, she, I think she's a PA, I don't think she's an MD, um, in dermatology and I kind of, I brought my, my binder, at this point I had a binder full of information, right? And I brought her my binder and she tested me for Epstein-Barr, which was really great. She did my SSA IgG, SSB IgG, which those antibodies were actually elevated for me, um, which is really interesting because I don't have Schrodinger's or lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, but those, that can be indicative of those. Uh, and she also gave me this little nugget, and she told me that, because I showed her my labs, and my ferritin was 40, and she told me that if you want to grow hair, your ferritin really needs to be 80 to 90 in G per ml. And that was that was really helpful information that I knew I needed to target iron. Now, after what I know about iron and ferritin and hemoglobin, I don't... I don't know what my buy-in to this is yet. I'm still learning. Um, but that was really interesting knowledge to learn at the time. And, okay, so I went back to my – throughout this time, I had still been talking with my PCP, and I showed her my colon scope results, and I said, I'm still – it's been over here. I'm not getting anywhere. And she was like, well, your colonoscopy, that was like a bad – it was a bad scope. She's like, I don't, I can't really read this. I don't really understand his notes. And I was like, oh, well, great. And so she recommended that I go see another GI doctor, um, another guy who, again, I don't, what is it with GI doctors? They just not listen. I don't know. Um, uh, what I, my favorite moment with him was when I, I showed him my labs and he's like, well, of course you're, you're anemic. You're, you're at this time I was 30, you're 30 years old and you're menstruating. And I was like, Okay, politely, I've been menstruating for over 10 years, right? I don't know, 15 years? Shoot, if I'm 30, then yeah, 15 years. And I've never been anemic before, but I've been bleeding monthly this whole time. So, like, can you give me a better explanation <laughs> than, than that? Because, like, I don't buy it. I don't think that that's 
I think that that's an excuse or an apology for not having an explanation. Um, and he, he, I told when I went to this gastroenterologist, I was like, okay, I'm convinced I have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And he goes, okay, I really think we need to do another colonoscopy. And this time let's do an endoscopy too. Let's just get you from both ends. And I said, okay, SIBO, testing for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, that's a breath test. You're either methane dominant or you're hydrogen dominant. Um, But I figured, okay, you're the boss. You're the doctor. You know what you're doing. Lord have mercy. I did the damn scope. And I will never forget this. I I came out of the procedure and the doctor comes and sees me and he goes, have you ever heard of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? And like, granted, I was barely out of anesthesia. Like I was in and out of it a little bit. I, I wanted to smack him so bad because again, you don't, you don't diagnose that through a scope. Like what the hell is he talking about? You diagnose that through a breath test. And like, Paha, I already told you that that's what I thought I had. Why, like, why did we just do this? And this procedure was thousands of dollars for me. Like, and it was a day off of another day off of work. And I just was like, okay, never again. I, I'm not going to a gastroenterologist ever again. <laughs> and so I, um, he wrote me a prescription for Zafaxin, which is what you would take if you had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth which I will say I was on the right path. I didn't have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I now know I had small intestinal fungal overgrowth, but how cool is that that I, I was able to at least get on the right, the right path to finding an answer. Um, and I went back to my primary care physician after studying the thyroid some more, and I said, okay, I want a full thyroid panel. I want TSH, T4, T3, reverse T3, anti-TPO, anti-TG. I want it all. And she goes, oh, honey, that's beautiful. Yes. And so I go, and this is, this is August of 2019 now. I go, I get that done, and I get my lab results back, and she measured my TSH and my, my T4. Okay. Um, that's not what I asked for, but thank you for that. And I, I finally, I went to her one more time and I said, okay, last time I asked you to measure a full panel and that didn't happen, are you, are you able to me- measure a full panel? Do you have that capability? Does, does your lab offer that? And she said, yes, of course. So I went to her lab. I, I wrote on the actual lab paper. <laughs> oh my gosh, I probably sound like a complete bitch and I'm, I promise I'm not. Um, I wrote on the lab paper exactly what I wanted measured. And it, at the time, it was really funny because I had a talk with the phlebotomist. I was like, I want to make sure before you stick me with that needle that you can do all these things. And the lady behind me waiting to get her labs drawn, she was like, excuse me, miss, what, can, you, can you tell me those again? And she was writing them down because she wanted them. She's like, I'm here to get my thyroid tested too. And I just remember thinking, oh, goodness, I'm starting something. <laughs> oh, no. Um. And the, the third time, that was the last time I went to go see this doctor, she measured my TSH, my free T3, and my free T4. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think I explained what T4 and T3 are. T4 is your resting thyroid. Sorry, I have to sip water. I get a little parched talking too much. And then my, uh, your T3 is your, your active thyroid. 
And so this whole time, my TSH and T4 were showing within normal range. And my T3 was measured at 2.26, and it needed to be 2.18 for her to do something about it. And that's when I had the conversation with her. Okay, I'm telling you I feel like crap. I'm telling you I think my thyroid's involved. My T3 is low, but it's not low enough. Are, are we treating me or are we treating the lab? And so I just kind of had to have that conversation with her. And she didn't measure my antibodies. So I don't even know at this point if my thyroid is under attack. Um, I just know that my T3 is low. And kind of a side note, a lot of people, so hypothyroidism is really common. And that's when you're, you have low thyroid. And the, the kind of standard of care is, is a medication called Synthroid, or the generic form is levothyroxine. And something important to know about that is it bumps up your T4, your resting. So if you're someone like me, where your T4 is normal, you're not converting it to T3, you don't want to take that medicine because that medicine can actually harm you. It can it can increase your reverse T3, which negati- negatively, which further negatively impacts your T3, your active thyroid. So taking that medicine can actually make the problem worse. And a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people do have a conversion disorder where it's not just low T4, low T3. It's T4 is not, not converting to T3. And so I kind of wanted, wanted to make that distinction because if I were to stay with this physician, that was the drug that I was looking at potentially taking in the future. And um, part of the reason why I know this is because I ended up going, I ended up getting the flu um, actually not too, too long ago. And when I went to the urgent care, which is part of the same group as my PCP, um, they didn't have the T3 medication that I've been taking. They didn't have that in their system. So that tells me it wouldn't have been an option. So just kind of some food for thought. I, uh, at this point, I was like, okay, I, I need to find somebody I can trust. And I found an IFM certified MD. She's also a nutritionist. She's freaking amazing. And she ran a full thyroid panel on me. And I went to her. So the, the previous thyroid test that I was referring to that I had with my primary care physician was on was on January 15th of 2020, and my next thyroid lab I had was on February 13th of 2020, and my T3 at this point was 2.04. So within the matter of less than a month, my, my T3 dropped to that range that my previous doctor would have given me something for. That's how quickly I was going down. Um, my anti-TPO was 30, so yeah, I had antibodies against my thyroid. I kind of figured that. That's why I was asking for it to be tested. Um, And just to kind of give you a reference point of how high 30 is, somebody that has um, a sibling of somebody that has Hashimoto's or or hypothyroidism, um, they might have an anti-TPO of 12. So I was higher than than that. I was 30. Ideally, your anti-TPO would be zero. And this doctor, this, this IFM certified... MD, she, she was the one who, and, and I really like this model of care because you spend about an hour with her and she just kind of gets to know you and gets to know your story. And I think that's where doctors 
can think outside the box because when you go see your GI doctor, you're, you're with them for what, six minutes? You see your PCP, you're with them for like 10 minutes and they have, they have a crap ton of paperwork they have to do in that time to be productive. And so they can only listen to you with one ear, right? They can only listen to you with one ear because they're busy typing to meet insurance, whatever. This doctor I went to doesn't deal with the insurance. You know what you're paying up front and she listens and she takes good notes and she thinks outside the box. And she was the one who goes, have you ever been tested for mold? No, no, I haven't. I, I never, I, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. It's something, it's really common in Middle Tennessee, actually. And so she ran a mold test on me. And I had crazy high levels of all kinds of mold. All kinds of mold in my body. I was very toxic. Um, satrotoxin, which is a which is a black toxin or a black mold, excuse me. Um, same with um, same with the the T2 toxin, which uh, causes digestive issues and anemia. Surprise! That's where the anemia came from, not from <laughs> menstruating. You actually don't lose very much blood when you menstruate either. So I that's just a dumb response. That's just dumb. Um, vomitoxin, which is found in a lot of grains and moldy corn. Um, so that was talent. That's again, like something about the gluten wasn't, wasn't sitting with me. It was, it was toxic to me. Um, stachybotrys, which is a black mold toxin that produces the mycotoxin. Um, oh, I hope I don't mispronounce this. Trichothecene. And uh, I had several uh, high amounts of other mycotoxins, and I'm still learning about them and exploring them. It's a, it's a comprehensive list, and I was high in everything. Um, she also ran an organic acids test, which was super, super informative. It tells you about other types of intestinal microbial overgrowths, oxalate metabolites, uh, mitochondrial markers. My, mitochondria wasn't great at producing energy. Uh, neurotransmitter metabolites, amino acid metabolites, it gave me just like a baseline, like here's how you're doing on a basic level, like cellular basic level. And um, she gave me some prescription antifungals, antiworm. Um, and this is over the course of, because now it's, now it's September and I've been seeing her since February. So this, this wasn't all at once. This has been over time. Um, strategic supplementation. I've done sauna when, well, when the sauna was open, the sauna hasn't been open, I guess, since March. IV therapy, colon hydrotherapy. Um, she started treating me for parasites and I started eliminating a ton of parasites. And that's when she put me on the anti-worm um, medication. And I have been doing so, so much better. I share this with you because I don't think I'm special. I think that a lot of us, I think a lot of us feel bad and we just get used to feeling bad. I mean, it would have been so easy for me, you guys, to get used to being bloated. It would have been so easy for me to just be like, well, I guess this is how life is now. But I knew what it felt like to feel good, you know, to feel 
high energy to feel like I could do backflips and cartwheels all day long and not get tired. I know what that feels like. And I'm not ready to accept at 31 that I can't feel like that (laughs) anymore. Um, And I think that just a lot of us, we put others first too. We don't put our health as a priority and it's just easy to kind of put it on the back burner. We live super stressful lives. We live, we are under more stress in like a month than our grandparents were in their entire lifetime. The amount of stress that we deal with is ridiculous. You think about this. You, your grandparents used to be able to go to the grocery store and buy food. Now you're reading when you're buying red meat, you're looking for like 18 different things, right? Was it grass fed? Is it hormone free? Is it antibiotic free? Like just to freaking buy a piece of meat, like you're having to think about so many different things. You're having to scrutinize nutrition labels because what we sell isn't, what, what they sell in the grocery stores isn't food anymore. And that's just like one teeny tiny aspect of your life, right? They didn't have social media back in 1950. So you didn't have to worry about posting things, hashtags. You didn't have to worry about traffic like you have to do, like you have to today. You have to worry about GMOs. You didn't have to worry about all these things that like that add up to put stress on our lives. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really easy for us to just go, Oh, this is how it is. Um, and my story's not over. I'm still, I'm feeling so much better, but I'm still on a healing journey. I'm still figuring stuff out. I'm still trying new things. I'm still asking questions. And I, I really like, that's what I want for you. I want you to ask yourself, like, where, where in my body, do, where, identify where in my body feels good, where in my body doesn't feel good. What can I do about it? What can I learn about this? What questions can I ask? And I'm a firm believer in seeking multiple opinions. I think that while I have, while I'm not an expert in the human body or health and wellness, Like, I can tell you without hesitation that two heads are better than one and five are better than two. And so the more people you consult, maybe the more confusing it'll be because you'll get different answers, but you'll figure out what's right for you. There's no one size fits all. But what I'm hoping this story does for you is that it shows you that in the allopathic world, doctors want you to, well, I shouldn't say doctors, the system. The system wants you to rely on it to feel good, right? Take Miralax for the rest of your life and you'll feel good. Take this medicine and you'll feel good. Um, It's very much a symptoms management-based approach. And what I've learned is that doesn't work for me. I don't want to manage my symptoms. I want to figure out what's causing the symptoms what caused that rock in my abdomen? What caused me to not be able to go to the bathroom? What caused antibodies to act against my thyroid? What, like, what caused this stuff? What caused my hair to fall out? Um, because I wanted to address those causes so that I could get back to homeostasis, so I could get back to normal. And I know my story isn't pretty. Talking about poop and hair is not it's not a sexy topic. It's not pretty, but it's real. And it's my story. And I'm going to use this to help other people. This is, this is why I've created my 10-day liver detox program, because 
it's a low barrier way to get at the root cause of a lot of different issues. If your body's filled with toxins, simply just taking 10 days to, to clear out those toxins to kind of reset your body. I, the, what it does for your health, your like overall health is incredible. It's just incredible. Like I, I wish that somebody would have had that program for me when I was going through what the thick of what I was going through because it would have helped me. And that's why I've, I've developed this program. Um, and this isn't this, my story isn't meant to be a pitch for this program. That's not the point. Um, but I just kind of wanted to show you that that's kind of the basis of why I do what I do. And please don't ever take me to be an expert. Like, I don't want you to ever do that. I want you to, to listen to what I have to say, but then I want you to turn around and ask a ton of questions because we are all learning. And the minute where I think I know everything, turn me off <laughs> because that is not, that is not helpful for anybody. If you, if you feel like you're done learning and you're done growing. So, okay. Anyways, that is my story. I wanted you all to kind of hear it first. Um, I am feeling a lot better, so don't worry about me. I'm, I am like, ugh, so much better. I'm back to eating three meals a day, which is huge. Um, I still, I've gone almost a year and, let's see, almost a year and three months without eating food that I haven't made myself, which is crazy. Um, and without drinking water that I haven't out of my Berkey, that's kind of the only water I drink. And I, I've made the decision that, okay, it's, it's time to, to feel safe enough to eat out. So I'm, I plan on, on doing that in the near future and I'll let you know, I'll let you all know what I do, what, what my first meal out is. Um, cause I do think, and my doctor, my doctor was the one who told me like, you need to eat out. That's, that's a stress relief. That's to have somebody else cook a meal for you is a stress relief. Not just, um, not just that eating out is probably not he as healthy for you as eating at home, but just the act, the social act of eating out and the stress relief of eating out, which is not something I really considered, honestly, before she told me that. But anyways, my story is still going on and I've, what I've done for you all is, because I think storytelling is so powerful and meaningful, I think the rest of the episodes this year are all interviews with people who have powerful stories and meaningful stories. Next week, you're going to listen to an interview with Caroline Aylward. She created uh, a company called Get a Helmet, and she has a really beautiful story talking about stress and anxiety and self-love. It's a, she has a beautiful story of self-love and that's kind of what her programs are all about is self-love. And she's also a filmmaker and a producer, which is, um, really, I, I think beautiful. Those are my two loves are storytelling and health and wellness. And she kind of has those same passions and she's created a short film called In This Body, and we're going to talk about that next week. But if you want to watch the film before the episode comes out, I, uh, I encourage you to, I'll include a link for it in the show notes so that you can listen, you can watch it. It's four minutes. It's really short, but it's a really powerful, beautiful message about women and our perception of our bodies and the uniqueness. And it's just, it's an empowering video. And um, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. 
So thank you so much for spending this, this precious time with me. I am grateful to have a platform and a safe space to share my story and to have these meaningful conversations with you. I hope that you feel like you learned something. I know I was kind of a little all over the place, but my healthcare was kind of a little all over the place. And when I was trying to outline like my timelines and things, I was like, well, yeah, I, there just wasn't a good way to make it seamless. And so I'm sorry if it was a little, a little all over the place. Um, yeah, I hope you have a restful and happy day. Again, if you felt like this episode spoke to you, if you don't care to leave me a rating and review, that would mean a lot to me. Uh, thank you for, for sharing the space and letting me be vulnerable. Please go out into the world today and be well and be kind.